Welcome to Resilient Schools. This show is part of the B Podcast Network. You can see all of our great shows at bpodcastnetwork.com. Today on Resilient Schools, I'm excited to have Dr. Gastrid Harrigan on. He has been an educator for over 19 years as a math teacher, assistant principal, and currently a secondary principal. In addition, Dr. Harrigan is a professor of education at Broward College and Colorado State University Global. He specializes in supporting teachers and school leaders to build trusting relationships with students and improving the culture and climate of schools to optimize staff and students' experience. He has extensive experience leading and instructing educators at all levels and has been recognized for his expertise, innovative leadership, student engagement, and and academic achievement strategies. He frequently speaks at national conferences on leadership, curriculum, school culture and climate, social emotional learning, and trauma-informed practices. He's also the host of the School Leaders Podcast. This podcast provides bite-sized tips, ideas, and PD for emerging and current school leaders. In 2021, he was named Principal of the Year by Learning for Success, Inc., and nominated for Principal of the Year in 2023 in Broward County Public Schools, Florida. That name may sound familiar as just last week, uh, we had Rachel on, who is also from Broward County Schools. This was not planned in advance. It just happened to be that way. Uh, Dr. Harrigan holds a Bachelor of Science in Electrical Engineering and a Master of Science in Educational Leadership, K-12 from Florida Atlantic University, and a Doctorate in Education and Administrator Leadership for Teaching and Learning from Walden University. He's married to Deborah, and they have two sons and one daughter. Gastrid, welcome to the Resilient Schools podcast. Hey, how are you, Jethro? I'm just uh, glad to be here. Yeah, uh, I'm glad to have you here. Excited for our, our opportunity to connect. We got connected because I came into the tail end of one of your sessions at the Trauma Sensitive Schools Conference that's put on by the Attachment Trauma Network. Um, and we've had several people uh, that I met through that uh, network on this show. And so I'm excited to chat with you today. So we're going to talk a little bit today about the adult side of dealing with trauma in schools. And uh, this is something that I think is important for us to address and and be aware of. So um, let's let's start there. Let's talk about how do we take care of the teachers and help them take care of themselves, Gastrin. You know, thank you for bringing that up. And I think oftentimes we talk about obviously we having. Well, you know, we are, a lot of our kids coming out of the pandemic are facing uh, a lot of traumatic, uh, have experienced a lot of traumatic experience. And we are seeing it uh, in our schools as a current principal, almost daily uh, dealing with uh, the student trauma. But oftentimes, not enough time is given to the adult trauma, um, the challenges that our teachers and our staff face, and the ways that leaders can really support um, teachers to ensure that um, they are able to provide they are their best self and able to provide support and the best um, instruction for students uh, when they're in front of kids. And so uh, I don't know where I took or borrowed the statement. I often you'll hear me say, if we don't feed the teachers, they are going to eat the kids. And I'm simply saying, if we don't create an environment that is safe. And and often I, I'll tell my teachers, you know, if you're having a moment in the classroom, a challenging moment. Um, please pick up the phone, call one of my support staff. And if nobody's available, pick up the phone and call me. I'll come and cover your class while you take a few minutes or the rest of that period to really take care of yourself. Because sometimes you just need to step away and um, go to teacher's lounge, go to your car 
just, I like to say, USA, right? Let's take a moment uh, because oftentimes teachers are under a lot of pressure and they have a lot of challenges. And I think school leaders um, need to create an environment where it's okay for the teacher to say, hey, I need a break right now. Uh, and I think that's important in the time yeah. that we are living in right now. For sure. Uh, what is USA? Oh, USA is just saying a moment to just breathe, a moment to just take a break and and just, you know, recenter. Uh, we are big on uh, on on mindfulness. So every meeting, uh, every morning um, across the school, we have morning meetings. We're secondary school, so we have morning meetings. And every meeting we have, staff meeting we have, we start with a mindfulness activity. So we encourage the staff to always take a moment and center themselves, take a moment to really reflect. And, and each staff member um, use different strategies, obviously different strategies with the kids and different strategies even with for themselves. But we encourage the staff to take a moment to center themselves. Or if they're having a difficult day, um, th that's where I say call and just do whatever it takes to recenter yourself, to recalibrate, and or even to go see one of our therapists on campus. Talk about what that looks like doing mindfulness moments as a staff um, uh, on a regular basis. How, who leads that? How do you know what to do? Where do you get ideas for that? So most of that is led by my family counselor team. Uh, I have a uh, I have about three therapists and they lead most of that. But what I will tell you often is that uh, at the school-wide meetings, I will take the time and lead some of them. And in the beginning, I led most of them, myself or my assistant principal. And over time, I, I empower my uh, family therapist to lead it. And the reason why I think um, leaders need to lead it because they, um, I found that when the leader sometimes, especially in the beginning, uh, leading the work, sort of like the lead learner, when you're leading that mindfulness activity, they, it, it makes it okay that, hey, the, the, the principal, the leader is also understanding and valuing the importance of mindfulness. Um, and, and, and so it makes it better. And I think it's encouraged the staff for everybody to, to participate. And we do a variety of different things. Sometimes it's just, uh, you know, quiet music being played. Sometimes, um, you know, I, we will play, put on a song and we are dancing, we are moving. So it varies from, uh, from meeting to meeting, from season to season, uh, depending on what's going on. But, in the beginning, it was led by me and my assistant principal. Now, it really is being led by the team leaders and and, and our um, family therapists. Yeah, I, I'm glad you said that because I think it's so important to not just participate in, but also model and lead out as the as the school leader and to say, yes, I'm fully bought into this, but then to pass it off to somebody else to own it and be in charge of it so that it's not dependent on you that everybody's not doing it just because you are. Um, so let's talk a little bit more about that and how how it started out and how long it took you before people started buying into it themselves. So it, we are, we've been in this journey about six, seven years. Uh, it first started out uh, because before pandemic, obviously, and we were looking at the needs of my school, a lot of students coming with a lot of drama. It happens to be the population we service. It comes with a lot of drama, with a lot of um, trauma, with a lot of challenges, difficulties. So we begin to look at how do we meet that need. In the process of looking at the research, in the process of um, prepping and preparing and empowering teachers to deliver 
trauma-informed curriculum instruction, we realized, especially when we started looking at ACEs, right? And we, everybody had to, to determine what is your ACE, uh, ACEs number. And we, we started to realize, hold on, a lot of our staff, those who were able to, were willing to share, were bringing in their own ACE. And so the conversation came about, and really my therapist brought up like, well, you know, that this number, while it was anonymous, is high for our staff. So how, what are we going to put in place to help meet some of their needs, to 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 put things in place. So that so that's where it started. Is looking as we meet the teach uh, the kids' need. How are we going to meet our staff needs? So out around that, uh, we we created over time a calendar. Um, we call it our adult cell, our adult uh, cell PD and activities, where every um, uh, every year we put together almost every month different activities and things like free massage, um, aromatherapy, obviously the mindfulness activity at, at every meeting, um, bringing in, um, partnering with other community partners and bring them in to talk about, we even talk about financial literacy because we realize if you can't manage your, your checkbook, right? It doesn't matter how much money you get paid, that stress is gonna boil over in the classroom. So this is that's how uh, over time it started. And then each year, especially toward the end of the year, we sort of take a survey and see what other areas that the staff feel we need to bring in um, um, to meet their specific need. But really it started at trying to ensure that um, we meet their needs. And that also include, which is not necessarily um, trauma, but we found that to be important is is putting together events, activities where the staff come together, whether it's on campus or whether it's off campus, uh, something simple as bowling, something simple as going out um, at, the, you know, whether it's at a restaurant event that we put together. And it's just happy hours where we go and we don't talk about the kids, but we talk about uh, building that community and that relationship. Most of it happened on campus, but oftentimes we leave, uh, you know, we will go off campus to continue to build that community and continue to support each other. I think, I think that's so important. Um, was there pushback in the beginning about doing some of these things? And can you talk a little bit about what that looked like and how you overcame it or what happened? There was significant pushback. <laughs> um, because, because initially I think the staff felt it was really the kids have issues, right? It's the yeah. kids. It's not me. Um, you know, um, we would have incidents where teacher really lost it. And when we pull it back, we realize he or she, the child trigger you. But what, what is that, that they trigger, right? Your own trauma that they trigger. And, and so it took conversation and what changes also was going back early, I said, you know, begin to model. Because at first, it was a, the the therapist just leading it, and I was sort of in the background pushing it. But, you know, beginning to actively participate, actively lead, making it part of our culture in terms of everything that we do. So over time, um, we begin to see, um, they begin to see the importance of taking care of yourself. And when the pandemic happened, it crystallizes, right? Because everybody was going through that piece. And so it reinforced the work we started doing and coming out of the pandemic. Um, before the pandemic, we had put a plan in place to train everyone on campus to be trauma-informed. And when I say everyone, including the custodian and the clerical team, obviously the bulk of the training was for uh, the teachers and the support staff. But the idea is that if we are going to meet our kids' need, we need to be whole. We need to be self-aware of our own trigger points, right? Our own ACEs. 
and know how we are going to react and respond. So that way, hurt people, you know, the whole saying, hurt people, hurt people. So that way we are mindful of our own aces and our own trauma and our own challenges. So that way we are mindful of how we are going to uh, be our best self to meet the kids' needs. And so, yes, we had a lot of pushback, but over time, uh, it became what we do. It became part of the process. So, um, and and I even encourage people, I said, listen, for me, who's more, um, you know, because I, the, we came, it came into religion issues. So, so some topic came into, well, I don't believe, and, and I said, listen, I'm, I'm a person of faith. And for me, sometime in the morning, it may mean I put a worship song on. It may mean I listen to a message to help me uh, center, start that week, start the day. So it's whatever it is for you. It's not something I'm prescribing. It has to be the specific song, the specific this, the specific activity. It's whatever it is for you that help you center, that help you start your day, uh, that help you going. So once we started to started to broaden and 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 help stuff. See, and of course, bring in the research, bring in the data. Uh, over time. Uh, now, you know, some of the staff who used to push back on now having dialogue of how themselves, their own routine, um, you know, sharing their own routine in the morning before getting to work and 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 what is it that they do to um, to take care of themselves? Yeah. So on on that piece, because it's so important that we are personalized in how we are doing mindfulness, because it's something that like you, you playing a specific song may actually be a trigger for somebody else. Right. And, and so we have to be aware of that, but how, how do you find the transition from you leading it as a school to people owning it themselves so that the, the need for you to lead it is, is not necessary, that it becomes something different, um, does that question make sense or am I too out there? No, no I, I think it makes sense. I mean, how does it look like for my middle school team leader? How does it look like for my high school team? How does it look like for my behavior team, my support team, and even the administration team and, and or when I have my leadership team? I think part of that is saying uh, for us was we, we, we need to have a mindfulness activity to start every meeting, but not prescribing how it looks like. So empowering team leaders or department chairs to to tailor it based on their department, based on their team. And some team rotated. So so every time they met, a different member led it. And and so therefore they get to sort of tailor it more, personalize it more, uh, for lack of better word, to their liking. Um, I think that also helped because I wasn't trying to prescribe that it had to look a certain way. Um, where the expectation lies was we all have to do some mindfulness activity. It just have to, it just need to look however it leans to look for your team, for your grade level, uh, for your department. Um, but it, it, so for me, um, where it, it, it really scale up was really empowering, providing people with some flexibility. And I'll be honest with you, for some teachers, they just put um, some nice smooth jazz on and, and that's their two, three minutes for others. They were um, they they bought mat and 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 doing yoga. For others, they they put on a nice. Um, I have a couple of stuff who's from the island, put on a nice little reggae music, and they were moving to that. So I I think for me was really empowering and stressing the importance of it. And then throughout the day is making it okay that 
I'll tell my front desk staff, oh, you're having a moment. Go ahead and take a moment. And they said, no, I'm okay. No, no, go ahead and take a break. I will answer the phone uh, at this point. And I think I've, having done it consistently over time, it sent the message that your self-care, your mental health is more important at this moment. And I will step in and do what, quote, unquote, they will say, well, that's not your job. I said, no, everything is my job because my job is to ensure I provide you the support, right, that you need. So when you return back to the job, you are able to be successful. Yeah, I, I really appreciate that, Gastrid. And I, I think that taking that approach of my job is to support you and help you be ready and able to take on your job is is really valuable. The other thing that I like about it is that you're prescribing that it needs to be done, not how it needs to be done. And so you're able to say, this is an important part of what we do. And it's so important that we're going to take time out of every meeting to do it. And that part's not optional. The, we're gonna we're gonna make sure that it happens um and and there's this this balance between um between making people engage in something like this for their own good even if they don't want to and making them sit through it and people taking the time as a community to to be mindful uh and take some time to do that as a community before digging into the work that they have to do. Can you talk a little bit about that aspect of how this is powerful in helping uh, people, whether they need to get centered or not, get centered before a meeting and and maybe some other benefits you've seen from it? You know, um, there's many benefits. And, and yes, the, it, it took some work. It, it took some... Um, like you just said, making it a requirement to do, but not necessarily how. But it also led to now we've we've gotten several grants, and some of them were not me necessarily telling the teachers, the team leaders to apply for. But we started a garden, and part of that garden, um, we, we one of our partners and community, we applied and we got the grant. And coming into last year, entering into this year, one of the pieces was well, why not we add a Zen spot? Why not we add uh, an area that's connected to the garden? Maybe you don't want to be in the garden, but an area where where staff can go. There is mu- There is soft music being played. An area where they they could sit. They could have lunch. They could even bring a kid out there if you're if you're a therapist. So it, it has gotten to the point where you know initially I didn't have money to to do it, but they've they've applied and gotten grants to really create different areas on campus. To, for students and staff um, to have places where it's conducive um, to have a moment where they just need a moment of quietness. So for the staff, uh, our Zen spot, the garden is there and our Zen spot, which which has the, the bleachers there, soft music, water playing, where they could just go. But, you know, I, I just need a moment to just sit here and get breath of fresh air and whatever it means for that specific staff member. And I didn't tell them to necessarily say, Hey, you, we must apply, but, but the team saw, and it wasn't just the support staff. It was the support are getting together with, uh, with teachers and says, how, how can we expand this? Not only for, you know, we have a place for, for students, but how can we expand it where even staff um, can have, a, can have a place where they really go and with center or just sit there and listen to music or, a moment where it's it's 
you know, the phone will not ringing, right? Yeah. Nobody's calling me at this moment. It is a, t- a moment of quietness. It could be five minutes. It could be 10 minutes. It could be during my planning time. It could be, uh, um, or that moment where I need to just go and center myself. So um, I think that's where for us, it has led to, you know, like I said, getting those grants and really expanding um, to really help meet not only just students, but also our staff needs. Yeah. Well, my whole entire career as a teacher, district office, principal, vice principal, I took naps on a regular basis during school, at school. And I needed that um, to to be at my best and to do the best that I could. And that was how I got centered. And I would literally lie down on the floor, put my uh, under my desk, put my feet up on my chair, and I would take this power nap for two minutes, five minutes, sometimes 20 minutes, just depending on what I needed in the moment. And I was always embarrassed to share that that's what I was doing because I thought I would get in trouble or, you know, can't be sleeping on the job. But in those situations, I obviously never did it when I had students that were in my classroom. <laughs> but but the thing is, is like, I, I know that I needed that. And I knew well enough as a young teacher that I needed that. Um, and there were a few times where it, it, it definitely, I could tell that it made things better for my students and for me. And, you know, I, I think that we don't pay attention to that enough and do enough to get ourselves in the right mind space, uh, for working with people. And I've been doing some personal stuff lately, um, learning how to, uh, uh, protect myself when the saboteurs come and try to take over my mind and, and try to teach me, tell me that I should be thinking something different or doing something different. And I got to tell you the, the things that I've been learning, even though I've been paying attention to this for decades, things I've been learning in the past few weeks have been really powerful and have really helped me a lot in ways that I did not think I needed help, but they really have helped me do that. And I, and I think that this continual learning and continuing to uh, get better and grow is, is incredibly important. Um, so I, you mentioned this and I just want to circle back to it real quick. The idea of the Zen spot, you have one for the students, you have a separate one for the adults. And I think that that's uh, a really important thing uh, to note that uh, it's good to have places for people to go, but it's also good to have places that are not, um, uh, this isn't a great way to say it, but contaminated by other people being there, you know, sometimes adults need to get away from kids. Sometimes kids need to get away from adults and, and it's okay to admit that. And I appreciate that you said that. Um, anything you want to add on that? You know, at the end of the day, for all the school leaders or uh, district leaders are listening at the end of the day, I think we need to make it safe and okay for people to do whatever it is take that, that it takes to help center themselves whether it is during their break, during their lunchtime, create those environment, um, whether it is in the classroom, whether it is, like you indicated, in your office, a Zen spot, the garden. For some stuff, it's just walking around, right? Doing their power walk and no kids. Um, Sometimes some of them are listening to music. It's whatever. And some stuff is just going in their car and, and, and listen, whatever it ta- whatever it is for, for each staff member, but it's, it's creating that environment that it's okay. Is being supportive, is being understanding, um, and as a leader or, or therapist is leading that work, 
leading it with understanding and leading it with respect. And I think that's what matters to ensure that we feed our teachers and staff so they don't eat the kids. Yeah, very well said. Uh, how can people get a hold of you and learn more from you, Gastrid? I'm practically on, on the most uh, most of the social medias. I'm, I am on Twitter, big on Twitter and Instagram. It's uh, Dr. G. Harrigan, Dr. G. Harrigan. Uh, and Facebook and LinkedIn is Gastrid Harrigan. And also they could check out my website. Um, it's uh, www.drgharrigan.com. There you'll find links to my podcast, my blog, and some other stuff that I'm doing. So again, uh, Jethro, thank you so much for allowing me to come on and, and share uh, with your audience. Oh, my pleasure. Thank you so much for being here.